Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Craig, Kyle, and Scott here today on a Christmas season episode. So Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Tis the season. Merry Christmas, Christmas to you too, Scott, season Kyle, episode. and Merry all Christmas, our listeners. Folks. If somebody's li- listening in January, Merry Christmas um, it still applies. What if you're listening June? in March, Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas in July. Works year-round. Don't come at me with Christmas in July sales, though. Just have a normal summer sale. It'll be fine. How about Hallmark Christmas movies in July? Uh, or n- n- not. Or any time of the yeah. year? I mean, Zero. if my wife finds a cute one, and I'd really like to watch it. My wife hasn't been feeling well the last couple of days, and she watched like four movies. And she's like, I'm just watching them now because you won't watch them with me. She watched like four bad Christmas movies. Well, that's bad what Cindy ones? does. Oh, yeah. What? Wait, you didn't watch them. How do you know? She said they were bad. I oh, think she no. said one of them was good. She's like, this is actually a good one. Yeah. Okay. I'm out. It's kind of like I a won't. clock. You yeah. know, it's it's right twice a day, even if it's not yeah. working. Like a story word, kind of. Yes. Yeah. No, but it's the Christmas season. It's full... Winter weather of rain and and sloppy out there today. Nasty stuff makes you want to move to warmer climates or at least get it to twenty degrees and some snow. Yeah, that's what I want. Two I two feet of snow. I think it's gonna be snowing up in the mountains right now though. So, I hope so. I'm okay with well, that. it was snowing at my house. I actually had accumulation. Yeah, oh. it, I I drove to drop my daughter off in Liberty Lake today, and so as you start coming up like Barkerish, it's like oh okay, this is getting a little heavier. There's a little bit of flaking, but still pretty wet. But anyways, we're here. Uh, we're going to jump into the scriptures really appropriately. Just where we're at in the journey of going through the Gospel of Matthew oh, yeah. is oh yeah, it's snow levels. It's getting there on that snow stake at, at uh, sorry at the Silver Mountain. Silver Mountain getting some yes accumulation. As they are said. thankful for that. They need snow, not rain. Yeah. To make their business run in the mountains. Anyway, Matthew, the Bible, the Lord Jesus. But we're in uh, the. Christmas season, the Advent season, where we're talking about peace and hope and joy and love and the first coming of Christ, and we look forward to the second coming. But in our text today, I think we'll get to it, if well, we're getting to it now, but Messiah, like it comes up. Mm-hmm. They're asking if Jesus is the Messiah when he's under this trial, if you will. if we can call it that. It was yeah, a, and to be clear, they're not thing. asking because they're sincerely wanting to know. Uh, they're they're asking because it's this mock trial and yeah they're trying to get him to incriminate himself. It's, sure. it's like the prosecuting attorney asking questions. I mean, they're just trying to trap you. We know their agenda, but it still comes up, and it's the series we're in right now at Mission Church Messiah, just talking about hope. Um, so yeah, it's I th- I thought it was a cool convergence of things in life, and. I don't ever want to read too much into those kind of things that happen, but I also don't want to miss them. You feel that tension? You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Yep. Like last week, I was, last Friday morning, um, I got on a, a rabbit trail of old memories with pictures and old emails. I don't sort my email inbox too well. I was looking at emails from 2004, 2005. Um, I came across one a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to go back and look at that. So as I'm doing that, I come across some old work photos, like stories from yesteryears. I was going to try to sound real like Christmassy Carol there or something. You just, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, things, Kyle, you'll get here one day. You start to tell your kids, and then that's kids with a plural. Your kids with 
um, what's happening. And you're like, let me find an old. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Dad, your hair is ridiculous. You had a beard? Mom let you had a beard like that? You know? Those kind of things. Yep, so I, I do that every so often. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it is it, kind of fun. But I get deep in it far enough sometimes it's like i don't know how to get out of here because i keep wanting to look at more it's just like it, it becomes addicting yeah so i was going through i found some pictures it was in the era before social media so i said we sent pictures e- via email to friends like hey here's what we did this weekend do you remember that season like a, so you had a digital camera it was correct past, okay so you have digital camera early you got 2000s. digitized photos and you're yes. sending those photos yeah to people out of town like yep. my buddy justin and i was like hey do you that- remember that season when you put Pictures that you wanted to send to your friends in an envelope, and you sent it with a stamp on the envelope? Yes. Send them to, like, <laughs> girlfriends or... <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's what, what it was. So, like, I saw an email. like, to follow up from the conversation we had, here's a few hunting pictures, or here's the, a picture of Hayden as a little baby. So this was kind of the emails. This is... This is how crazy these rabbit trails are. I wasn't even trying to talk about this. Yeah, this I don't is not even my know story. where we're at. <laughs> this is what happens. But people listening, they know they've been on these journeys where you get lost. Anyways, I come across some old work pictures, CI Automation, where, where I used to work uh, in homes doing audio and video and home theaters and, you know, working mansions in this mega, you know, crazy world of people would spend $250,000 on their home theater. And you're just going, what? Or a half a million. Or a half a million just on their, their audio video in their home. And you go, that's, that's crazy, but I'm thankful for the work. So I'm going through that, literally going through that, looking at pictures, A, to show my kids. But then right in that moment, a buddy who I used to work with from that season of life text me and then Jason, who was on the podcast last week, hey, I'm, I'm listening to your episode to Ben. I don't know if he's going to listen this week if he's just a one-off. I remember the guest To Ben, and he texts, and I was like, this is a crazy convergence, and he lives he lives in a different country now, and so I'm sitting in my house, looking at pictures from 2006 and seven, right? And then he texts from the podcast we just released the day before. It's just a weird kind of convergence. Cool. I mean, cool, weird. Um, moment. You're just like, what is happening? I was just looking at that picture, which I haven't seen forever. So kind of like, try to bring it back here, kind of like Matthew, Jesus claims he is the Messiah. We're talking about Messiah. It's Christmas time. There we go. I'm glad we're focused on Christmas and Matthew. I'm not sure I caught the segue there. Your friends and your, yeah. <laughs> I think there's, there's a just a weird There's a crowbar in there somewhere <laughs> that you're trying to. Hey, it's, it's the Christmas season. And it's also uh, approaching the end of the year. And I don't know if you saw this already, but version determined, I don't know how they do this, that there is a verse that is the verse of the year for 2023. Want to guess? Or did you see the email? I did not see the email, but you don't know the criteria. Like, most people highlighted this one, or most people shared it. Or uh, it's probably one or the other, maybe combo. Them. Or they just yeah. pick a random one. <laughs> they, this one sounds good. Well, this do, one is a good one. They do the 10-year-old devotional where you just flip your Bible yeah. like this, and then you go, uh, with your eyes closed, it will go like, uh, all right. It's more sophisticated than that, Scott. There's an algorithm, but it's... Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I actually shared that with somebody uh, just last week. It's a favorite of mine. Mm, that it's is a great a good verse. One. Yeah. I, I just, on a personal note, just feeling more this last week, 10 days, just 
like renewed strength, renewed spirit. Um, in Isaiah, where it's those who wait on the Lord, like he will renew their strength, like hip-hop dancers. No, you're going to get lifted up on e- wings like eagles. Kyle's doing, eagles. For those just listening, <laughs> Kyle was doing like a eagle motion. Yeah. I thought it was eagle, but it looked like more like a hip-hop dance. You know, I got to hold the microphone and still be able to talk. It looked to me like he had a spasm <laughs> somewhere in his ribcage or something. Dude, I'm, I'm being yeah. lifted up on eagle's wings. The, the strength of God in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, that's who Jesus is, and it's by his spirit. Emmanuel is God, you know, with us here on earth, and this is the spirit is God in us. And I love um, just being refreshed and renewed um, by our God, who's awesome and cool and great. So Awesome and cool and great. I could tell you another weird convergence story, oh. but it has nothing to do with the podcast this the week. The first one, oh, I guess the first one did have a little bit of podcast tie into well, it. Well, yeah, but. he only texted because he was listening to Jason's episode. Fully podcast. And probably saw it because of social media. Scott's all in on the social media. Oh, yeah. Probably. I don't videos know. videos of us. We're, and <clears throat> I don't even know. We're not even really connected on social media. But it was great to hear but from. But Jason. You tag Jason. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's that true. Okay. Well, anyways, we went back and forth for a little bit. and It was fun. Super great. Super great. I do have to tell that story another time, though. It's a good one. <laughs> With Daryl. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, okay. A convergence story with yeah. Daryl, is that what saying? nutty. It's nutty. Um, that is we, a great story. Can we get into the scriptures here, or where are we at? Is yeah, it, I don't know where I we're like at. from your guys this week, do you want to it, share anything? And for the sake of our listeners, just tune in to subsequent podcasts and listen for Scott to tell the story that he just teased you with, okay. which he's not going to tell in this episode. No, I'll try, uh, to, I'll try to work it in. Somehow. I had a dream last night that uh, we did the podcast at the New Spokane Valley Library. Oh, because apparently there's a new library. Yeah, or is this a dream? No, there's a new okay. library, kind of by my house, uh, Sprague, by the Spokane Valley City Hall building over there. Oh, that's a, a library. Yeah, over there? it's across really? the street there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, oh, and that vacant lot. Side note, that lot's been vacant for years, yeah. and I actually inquired, trying to see if it was for sale for the church when we were relocating from the old location huh. and looking for property. Yeah, I actually inquired on that, and they weren't interested in selling. That was back in the era of digital cameras, and you'd email pictures to people. <laughs> Anyways, back to your dream. So I had a dream, because uh, I heard that the Spokane got a grant for doing some more media stuff in their libraries. I don't know if the new one does, but so I was like, yeah, we tried it out, tested out the podcast HQ at a, at a Spokane Valley library. Huh. And there was like a lot of musical instruments. We were going to, yeah. Anyway. Oh, it was like a recording studio? Yeah. We are uh-huh. going to jam out? So yeah. is this prophetic of... S- I don't know. So we can maybe to, in the future we'll be maybe. recording the podcast from a library. I just th- that's a podcasty type thing. Maybe if they got better microphones and a yeah. better setup, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> better, but maybe they have an audio technician. Yeah, so we don't have as many problems. That'd be great. Super fun. Oh man! So they came to arrest Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So we're jumping into the story of Jesus. Here's my struggle with all of this: like the tension of getting through the story. But they're so it's so rich, you know, to not move too fast. But I'm like, we got to get to some things here, because um, we could spend again a whole episode on just bits and pieces. Even last episode where we the three of us were together, we're like, hey, we don't have time to go into the details of the rest, and then we start going into the details of of things. But yes, there's there's Judas who shows up who apparently didn't realize, kind of from the context later, that the people were going to kill Jesus. 
he just was a traitor. What you know, it's hard to know exactly what he was thinking because we're not in the mind of Judas and his heart. But later, he's a little confused. It seems like to me where they finally, the religious leaders finally like get Jesus to um, to over to Pilate, and then the the the, the Roman governor is gonna is gonna condemn him, and Judas is is um. He was seized with remorse. This is is chapter 27, verse 3. He was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. Um, Did... Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of out on a limb here. Did he I, know I fully, like, oh, no, they're going to turn him over and, and kill him, and he was... I, I think it's... So you remember in the upper room, uh, the gospel accounts tell us that uh, Judas is there sharing the experience up to a certain point, and then he leaves. And it says um, that Satan then entered into his heart. Right. So what happens next, the betrayal, this that we're looking at today, Matthew 26, where he comes with the people that are going to arrest Jesus, that, that's all being motivated by Satan himself. I mean, Judas is under heavy demonic influence. And then later when it's done, I think he has a little more lucid moment and realizes, I've been an idiot. Yeah, that's what I think. I think he he knew full well. I mean, have you ever done something and after immediately afterwards like that was stupid? Why did I do that? Yeah, I get, my question is, did he know he, they were going to execute him immediately, or did he just thought, oh, he, they're going to arrest him, kind of like flog him, persecute him, and then tell him to get out of here? Yeah, I I I think probably kind of half of both. I I tend to agree with Craig. I think it's just more of a remorseful, like oh snap, like that. What did I just do? And it, it's sinking into, the, I mean, to the way that it's recorded in many of the Gospels. Like, oh, man, I, I mean, he's so regretful that he ends up taking his life, right? Like, it's just, I I can't believe what I've just done. Yeah. And the weight of what he did sinking in. And it, it's like one of those things, like like Craig said, like, on the back end, you're like, why did I do that? Like, he, I don't think he was fully, to, to your point, I don't think he was fully thinking through the implications of understanding, right? He wasn't lucid. He wasn't thinking straight. He wasn't thinking clearly to, like, if I do X, then Y and Z will happen. If I take this money and kiss Jesus on the cheek, like they told me to, to set this whole thing in motion, then they're going to arrest him. And, oh, if they arrest him, they're going to try him and kill him, and he's going to be crucified. And this, like, I don't think he's thinking six steps ahead. He's thinking, you know, he's obviously got hate and evil and stuff going on too but he's also been stealing from money for for a while so he's like an opportunity for more money he's thinking one step ahead you know it's like a you know it's it's a bad maybe a bad analogy but it's like a, a drug addict who they're not thinking about the people they're hurting and the things they're doing they're just thinking about getting high again right he's just thinking about himself he's thinking about stealing money he's thinking about and again the the demonic implications of he's you know under the influence of some some stuff that's not the spirit of god obviously so yeah so Judas shows up, and with the religious leaders, he he says, "Here's my cue. I'm going to give him a kiss. It's the kiss of death." I don't know if that yeah. Did, idiom did the comes religious from there. leaders need Judas to identify which one was Jesus? Yeah, apparently. I've always been curious about that. Well, Jesus goes on and he says, um, in verse 55, Jesus said to the crowd, "Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day." Yeah, they've so already they, been having debates with him. They, it's not like he's not a public figure. He is a giant public figure. They, I mean, again, we talked about this two weeks ago when it's like that's kind of the reason for the cloak and dagger stuff in the upper room. Like he was. But I think part of the answer to my own question is in Jesus' next statement. 
But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. Second time in a couple of verses that he said this. And at this point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. The whole thing with Judas, the whole thing with this arrest, it's all a fulfillment of scripture. And, and, and there's no getting around the fact that scripture will be and must be fulfilled down to every little detail. Jesus himself said that that was the case. Not one jot or tittle would pass away till all was fulfilled. So this is playing out according to a preordained uh, scenario and an agenda. Jesus was the lamb that was slain from before the foundation of the world. This was all anticipated by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before any of human history had even begun. Yes. So it's playing, down, uh, playing out down to the minute detail. Absolutely. Including the kiss, for whatever that means. Right. Um, could be, too, I'm just trying to figure it out. Could be that they wanted him, Judas, to um, clearly be responsible for pointing out the person and not just presuming um, that he showed up and then he kissed Jesus. So it's like, on you, because they can wash their hands. not our responsibility to identify the person. Um, I don't know, but yes, all to your checks and balance system. Make sure we got the right guy. They're all long-haired, you know, hippie dudes wandering around in the wilderness. It's at night. Yeah, it's night. It's dark. They got some most couple of them have beards. Their skin tone's the same. Like, don't want to get the wrong guy. Yeah, but uh, to your point, Craig, to for the prophecies to be fulfilled, and Jesus was clearly a, a a large public figure. It would be surprising if the chief priests and the religious leaders couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Yeah. Like, that's that it, was pretty clear. And it goes on, it says, then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. And, and again, this is all playing out according to a plan. And, and what we need to remember is that Jesus is in 100% complete control of the scenario as it's playing out. Yeah. Not the religious leaders, not later the Roman government officials, not the crowd, which is an unruly crowd. It's Jesus who's in charge. Right. And um, like verse 56, where once, once they had taken him, um, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Which Jesus uh, predicted they would. Yeah, and it was predicted back in like Zechariah 13, 7, where when the, the shepherd is struck that the sheep will scatter. And it's, again, all of the details. Um, there's quite a few that are fulfilled down to the, the littlest of, of things. But they're, they're deserted, but then here's Peter. He's following at a large distance. So physically, he didn't totally desert. I mean, he separated, but then he um, uh, clearly, uh, relationally, and publicly goes, I don't know the man. And then he, set, second time, makes a s- swears, like, on my mother's grave. Or I don't, I don't know, what are the kids saying these days? Like, I don't know if they're swearing, but like some sort of declaration. Like, um, I can assure your kids are swearing these days. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, have you had a, some conversations recently or something? No, I just know kids. Yeah, I, it's people. It's all people. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyways, Peter is distanced. He has deserted Jesus relationally because he's publicly getting pressured. Like, you're with him, aren't you? As he's hanging outside the, the chief priest and the the Sanhedrin. They're looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. Verse 59. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Like they are they are trying to find a liar who will just claim something false against Jesus. Good luck. 
Good luck trying to find someone who's going to say something bad about Jesus. Because look at everything he did for people. It says, even though they found many who agreed to give false witness, they couldn't use anyone's testimony. So they needed something that would stick, basically, I think is the point there. Yeah. Finally, two men came forward and said, this man said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Um, I, this is fascinating to me. Because I kind of disagree with your statement, Scott. Which there was one? a lot of the good luck finding anybody to say anything bad about Jesus. Because Jesus was polarizing. There was a whole lot of people who didn't like Jesus. Again, this whole group of people that's arresting him doesn't like him. And they're trying right. to say something about it. I, I understand what you were trying to say in your statement of like, you know, there's something obviously. Something that they could use. Yeah, there's obviously a divide. And anybody who actually interacts with people, the people, right, as we look at these kind of this religious group and these kind of leaders who are obviously, but like, Jesus was a man of the people. All the people liked Jesus. And the people that Jesus actually interacted with, talked to, spoke to, taught, healed, preached to, were enamored with Jesus and fell in love with Jesus because that's who he was. The people who had something to lose, the people who had their own agenda, the people who didn't like him kind of ruffling feathers or stirring up their false idea of what the kingdom of God meant. They, they did have a lot to say about Jesus that was yeah, false. But they didn't have any grounds. This yeah. He's arrested, not yeah. just like, I disagree. I don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an arrest, so we're looking yeah. for some legal charges because they're trying to get it elevated to the Roman level. And in Roman this context, level. it's religious law that is in view. Right. Later, Roman law will be in view. But here, the, the religious leaders are looking for a violation of religious law, specifically blasphemy, which, as we read on in the text, that's actually the thing that was the tipping point for them. Yeah, because it's... it's it's one of those tricky things where I, I, I hear what you're saying, that, like, people didn't didn't ag agree with Jesus. They, they didn't like him. But for what reason? Like, the religious leaders, for yeah. what reason? Like, you know what I mean? Because they didn't fit in their nice little box of religion and their little box of understanding God and his promises and who he was and how he did things and their religious law that they were now holding you know, in this such rigid, misunderstanding version of the kingdom of God and what was to come that, again, if as soon as God or someone who s came to speak on behalf of God didn't fit in their nice little box, it started messing with everything. Yeah, and to Jesus's point, he was, he said, hey, why are we doing this at night out in the, the garden here? Because I'm pretty public. You knew where to find me earlier today and all this week and why don't you just come and rest me in front of the people? Because they had nothing to go on. And they knew it would cause a riot because everybody knew, even the religious leaders who disagreed and didn't like Jesus, they go, it is hard to argue you're not from God of some kind. You're not empowered by God. The miracles you do, the way you teach, we've never seen anybody do anything like that. So we're just confused, though, because it is so powerful, so, you know, so much authority, so much love and kindness. What do we do with that? And then that's where they drive it down to um, verse uh, 63. So they're accusing, they're accusing. You're going to answer, you're going to have testimony, like, you know, this whole scene. And Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. So he is like, put your hand on the Bible, but like put both hands on your Bible, on the Bible, you know, like you're under oath, swear. Yeah, my, my translation NLT says, I demand in the name of the living God that you tell us who 
who you are, that you tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son yes. of God. I demand in the name of the living God. Yeah, that's that's pretty hardcore language. Spit, spit shake, pinky swear, like you, like whatever your thing would be. Is and Jesus the, recognized uh, his authority to do that, and so he responds. Right, because he had been quiet up to this point. Because it's just did we gloss over a little bit of of sixty one that you wanted to talk about a little bit more? And able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Yeah, I, I really do want to go back yeah. there because there's oh. a huge gold mine there. That's what I'm saying. This, every verse could be an episode <laughs> of the podcast. Well, of course. Yeah. Um, what do you got? But, but just to finish the thought, so why are they confused? People don't like Jesus. Let's slice through all the things that are going on in people's minds and their personal reasons for why they don't like Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter 3, he says, and judgment has come into the world, and it's based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. And that that's, you know, right after... Um, and he's talking about God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And then he talks about people who reject that, reject the light, reject the good news, reject Jesus. And the reason they do, the reason they don't like Jesus is because their deeds are evil. They're hiding in the darkness. They don't want to come to the light and let it, because they fear that their deeds will be exposed. All right, so back to Matthew. Uh, yeah. so, so when he says, when, when the witnesses come forward and say, uh, he said he could destroy the temple of God. That's not what Jesus said. He just said, I can destroy this temple. And the scripture is very clear. He is referring to his own body. He, he wasn't referring to the temple, which would be destroyed later in 70 AD, but that's a whole different story. Jesus is referring to his own body and his resurrection. Now, they misquote him. They misrepresent what he actually said, these two witnesses. And, and what's fascinating to me about that is that Jesus does not correct them. How many times have you been misrepresented, misquoted, and inside you have this strong compulsion to set the record straight? Yeah, which bugs Excuse us me. all, but for you, that is that is way up there. Oh, it's way up there for me, but I, I think it's a human trait. It's like, hey, for the record, I did not say that. What I said was, how, how many arguments between husbands and wives revolve around that oh, kind yeah. of thing? I'm, I'm right there. I'm. I'm. You say like that's up there for Craig. Yeah, that's me too. Is I'm that like you too. Oh, hundred percent. Oh man, but we, we should put a poll out here for the podcast. Well, let's dive even deeper. So, so how many churches end up with internal strife, even church splits, over people misquoting and misrepresenting other people, rather than talking with them? Hey, did you mean this? This is what I thought you said. No, I'm going to just represent you the way I heard it. What I want to say. You know, my my take on it. Let, let's rewind all the way back to the garden. So what was the strategy of the devil in the beginning? To misrepresent God. He, he comes to Eve. And oh, he, that garden. I was just back at the Garden of Gethsemane. I was like, no, I was right there. No, no, way back. All the way. The, the Garden okay, of Eden. Back to Satan comes and he says, has God said? So he plants doubt. And Eve is already confused because she misquotes what God actually said. She includes that thing about, you know, we can't eat of it and we can't touch it. God never said anything about that that we know of. And then he comes and contradicts that. So he's creating confusion in Eve's mind. That's, that's how deception works. Cast doubt, then contradict, misrepresent, misquote. He gets her in a, a, a whole uh, whirlpool of confusion and deceit, and it's how we were plunged into this mess in the human race in the, in the first place. And Satan's strategy has always been the same. That's what he does in marriages. That's what he does in friendships. He, mis he gets people to misrepresent, misquote, be confused, contradict. He stirs the pot, as you could put it, I suppose, and, and gets people um, in, in a whirlwind of, of 
controversy and hurt feelings and broken relationships, and we've all experienced it. And, and when that happens, we need to recognize that that is part of the enemy's strategy. That's what he's seeking to do is to divide. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to divide. He comes to separate people. He comes to try and contradict and oppose. And, and you know, he's motivated to try and defeat God's purposes in people's lives. Yeah, that's why it's a big deal, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> As you were talking, I had this picture. Last week, I was driving down the freeway. It, right here in the valley, and it was raining. It's been raining for like a week, so uh, pick a day. I forget what day it was. And I was following a truck, and thankfully, I wasn't real close. We had quite a bit, 10 car lengths, something like that. And in the back of his truck, he had a couple of ladders, and we're going 60, 65. We're in the the far left lane, which is the faster lane. So Passing lane, legally, the, in the state of pass, Washington. Keep right, except for you're passing yes. on the left. I was passing people on the right. So we're driving, and the, the wipers are going pretty good because it's hard to see. All of a sudden, a 12-foot extension ladder comes shooting out of the back of his truck. Wow. Like, not even strapped down or the strap broke somehow at that point. It comes flying out, lands on the ground, and it just starts spinning, and sparks are flying because the ladder's just going. Lands it, in front of you. In front so of you me. Were, you were the first car behind him? Correct. I okay. was the first car. We had, we had a, I had a safe following distance. Thank, thank you, driver's head. Yeah. <laughs> like, How many car lengths? I just said like 10. Okay. I mean, a good gap. Yeah. Not only ladder comes out, but then it starts to, to veer into the middle lane as well. And it's a 12-foot it's a extension, right? And it's, I mean, it's massive and it's low. So if you didn't see it pop out, you don't necessarily yeah. know what's happening. That's a multi-car pilot trying Three, to four cars back where yep. people start swerving out of lanes at 60, Is it 65. extending as it's swerving on the ground? It's like no. it started at 12 feet and now it's 15 feet. Praise, <laughs> praise God it didn't go across three <laughs> lanes of traffic. But it was it was a full lane width, like fully, yeah. you know. And it, so it's in half of my lane and it's scooting towards the middle lane. The guy just keeps driving, too. Oh. And thankfully, it wasn't right, totally my path, so I was able to, you know, go left and go around it. But the guy next to me in the right lane, like, he's going right. And then I'm trying to pay attention because he's got another ladder in his truck, and it's raining. So I'm, I'm trying to see what's going on behind me, but also keep going forward. Wow. Um, so I don't know if an accident happened. or But as you're talking about what the enemy does, it just creates, yeah, let me throw this grenade out, this 12-foot this mm -hmm. ladder in the middle of a freeway while it's raining. Yep. And, and it's dark because it's five o'clock, and you're like, "Yeah, it's been dark for three hours." Where was so. it? What Pines and Sullivan? Oh man, or not Pines? Pine, between Pines and uh, Evergreen and Sullivan. Wow. On the freeway right there. Anyways, this is the enemy, just chaos, yep. ladder here, and, and who knows what happens. So to wrap up my thought on that, uh, the the high priest has the same reaction that I'm having as as Jesus is being misrepresented by those witnesses, and he doesn't try to correct the record. He doesn't defend himself. Nothing. And the high priest is amazed because he knows that would be human nature. Like, what do you have to say for yourself? Speak up in your own defense. And he says, why aren't you going to answer these? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. That's good advice. And We, he does we do not need to set the record straight. We do not need to correct every narrative about us. I had to learn that early on in ministry because, you know, as a leader, you're often a lightning rod for people's criticisms and misrepresentations. What? of Since when? Yeah, this exactly. It's not anything new. I'm and, unaware of this. And I, I finally had to come to terms with the fact that the one who will set the record straight in the end is the Lord himself. I, I can't run around trying to correct the record, uh, correct the narrative, uh, adjust people's thinking, in, try to introduce facts 
or I'm being misrepresented and misquoted. The best policy most of the time is to do what Jesus does on this occasion. You remain silent and just leave it in the Lord's hands. So what I find fascinating here is, and I know that we've already set it up, so a lot of the answers to some of my questions can be like, to, to Craig, your point earlier, like, this is what was prophesied, and, and the reason it's going down this way is because this is God's plan, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. But in this instance specifically, we're like, hey, here's, here's what you've been charged with. You have to tell us, are you the Messiah? And if he says yes, they're going to say, okay, that's blasphemy. I mean, we get down there, the high priest tore his robes, and he's like, blasphemy, okay, you're guilty. Like, the more I've been studying this idea of Messiah and the Messiahship of Jesus and the historical promise of the Messiah from Abraham and Judah and David all the way back, you would think there would be like a better litmus test for someone who came along and said, I'm the Messiah, other than kill him, <laughs> right? Like, like they're like, are you the Messiah? And he's like, yeah, you know, if, if he doesn't say, because he goes, well, you said it, you were right. Like, and they're like, okay, kill him then. It's not like, prove it. Like, again, like you said just earlier, Scott, like, you're obviously coming from God. You're, you're doing miracles. You're helping people. We've seen dead people come back to life. People who couldn't see can now see. Like, the prophecies are being fulfilled. Like, I'm just, like, amazed at, like, the people of God, again, the more I, I studied, like, they've been laying and waiting for the Messiah that they've been promised, the, the redemption of, and I know the way Jesus is coming isn't the way they thought it was. They thought it would be political oppression from Rome and all these kind of things. But this guy comes claiming to be the Messiah, and their knee-jerk reaction is kill him. Yeah, why wouldn't they rejoice? Yeah. Going, Yay! It's and that's to my earlier point. They really don't want to know if he's the Messiah or not. They're just trying to get him to incriminate himself yeah. so that they can arrest him because they've already made up their minds. That's the point. They've already made up their minds. He's a bad guy. We need to get rid of him. He's a threat to us. He's not the Messiah. So let's find a way to trap him and, and be done with him. And I just think in all those years that they were waiting and that this promise is like the fulfillment of everything they've been told since the beginning of their their religious history goes back to Abraham, right? The great, 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 great grandfather faith. We're waiting for this promise. I would think even in the, you know, 400 and some years where there's silence, they would have came up with like a really good plan of like, hey, when this person shows up, here's our test, right? We're going to see if, if he can float in water. I don't know what it is, right? They, they do something. And then if he can pass these tests, but their like initial thing is just like, yeah, you just kill him. It's like your uh, security questions, your three yeah. personal security <laughs> questions. Olivia so, opened a bank account last week, and the lady goes, oh, and I'm, you know, we're on the account because we're the adults. And she goes, hey, on your account, you don't have your three personal security questions. So while she's making Olivia look at the chart and answer them, she goes, I need you to do that. And I thought, I've been banking here forever. I don't. I don't have these, security. and I don't apparently need them. Your account's not very secure. It's apparently. not secure. I'm going to go withdraw some money from Scott's... Big account. So later that day, we were, we needed to call the, the customer service to, to do another part. So I'm on the phone. They're like, great. I just need to ask you a few personal security questions. And Olivia's listening. And she was like pointing at me. She's like, oh, you could hope you know the." Does Olivia know her mother's maiden name? And I had a little bit of, of nervousness go, okay, what, what did what, I, do? What did I oh, say? What I, questions were they? Passed. And he asked all three. Wow. Like three oh, wow. for three. So I felt good. They should have had at least three Messiah security questions. Yeah. Like, here's yeah. here's how we're going down. If um, you really are God, then what did God say to Abraham here? Right. Like, what did what did this look like when... Does God play pickleball? Is he in on pickleball Even if right it's now? like trivia, man. When I went to Bible college, they had all sorts of trivia. We, we took a Bible in knowledge intake questionnaire and a... Uh, what's, the, what's the not intake? What's the... Out, outtake, yeah, <laughs> outtake. Is that not... exit interview? Yeah, kind of. So uh, an intake, and they wanted to see how much we had gained in knowledge from this just random 
biblical trivia stuff. It's really bad, by the way, when something yeah, it goes down. Like, yeah. oh man, you spent four years in Bible college and you, and know, you know less, less now. It's probably the case. Uh, but at least, like, you know, some Bible trivia. Again, right. if you're God, you know, here, let's give him Bible trivia knowledge. Right. What year did the Israelites escape Egypt go? <laughs> like, uh, so we haven't got. I'd love to take our last few minutes and and talk about the Messiah. The Christ is the Greek term. It's why don't we say Jesus the Christ? It, as because it, it is a title. We've been talking about that. It's not Jesus last name Christ. It's Jesus the Christ. Why don't we say the Christ? In our I don't know if we have well, answers. For even that. the the biblical authors out of the um, the Gospels they begin to just just kind of shorthand it Jesus Christ. Because they, instead of Jesus the Christ or Jesus the Messiah, the, a lot of the gospel accounts do that, the Christ or the Messiah. Um, but a lot of the letters, they just it kind of just ends up becoming shorthand, you know, Jesus Christ for an understanding of Jesus the Christ or who Christ is as the anointed one. So really, it did start kind of with the biblical authors, and we've just kind of adopted it as Jesus Christ and really missing out on the significance of what the Christ is. The Messiah, the anointed one. I think we have something here in the text that speaks loudly uh, about the character of of Messiah, uh, of Jesus. When they say, well, you're guilty of blasphemy. Well, first of all, let's let's rewind. When when, uh, they demand him to say, you know, are you the Messiah? And he says, you've said it. But then he says this interesting thing. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. In other words, I know what you're about to do, but you guys are in for a rude shock because I'm going to have the last word mm-hmm. in a powerful way. But then yeah. it goes on. Then the high priest tore his clothing. Um, we don't need any more witnesses. Blasphemy, you're guilty, they shouted. Then it, they began to spit in Jesus' face. I would not want to be a person who spat spitted, spat, in Jesus' face, standing before him in judgment, on judgment day. I would not. And then they beat him and beat him with their fists, and some slapped him, jeering, mocking, prophesied to us, you Messiah, who hit you that? I would not want to be one of those people on judgment day who did that. And yet, what does Jesus do? He remains silent. He lets things play out according to God's plan for our sake, for the sake of the redemption of the entire human race and the universe. I mean, Jesus has a big agenda going on here, and he allows that to happen. The creator of the planet these people are living on, the one who created them in his image, the one who loved them enough to come, loves them enough to allow that to happen. I I just think that speaks volumes about the the, the willingness of God Almighty to be that humble in this moment. Yeah, and to your point, and they, we'll see this as we continue the, the story, they use these terms of things that are meant to be reverent as, again, the, my, my translation says, in a jeering way, right? In a mocking way. These things that the, the, his, his uh, like king, kingly identity as, you know, let's put a purple robe on him and mock him for Let's put a crown on him right. in a mocking way. And right here in this, Scott, to your point, the Messiahship, this Messiah, which meant anointed, which meant set apart, someone who's bringing some sort of connection from heaven to earth, like the prophets of old, like the kings of old, like the priests of old, in one that was promised to do that once and for all, that, that ushers in a new kingdom, a kingdom ethic, and rewrites every wrong. 
that Messiah, the Messiah, the anointed one, the heaven, now on earth. And they're using it as a mocking way of like, oh, Messiah, oh, special dude, tell us who hit you this time. If you're the anointed one, like they're saying it kind of like that, right? Like, yep. oh, it's, Mr. Anointed Guy. It's kind of like middle school students on the playground or yeah, something. Yeah, but know, they're using these, I mean, this idea of Messiah and anointed had it come all the, it's imagery all the way back to the garden of this f- fruit and, and, and fluid from a, 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 you know God's beautiful presence the way he created anointing people to be God's representation to be God's leadership to be God's voice uh, and now there's Jesus and they're using it as oh hey special dude and I bet some of them came to their senses a couple days later weeks later when they maybe they saw the resurrected Jesus and they go we have we're we are in error. Oh, I can't uh, I can't imagine that a few of them didn't. Yeah. I mean it it and it stands to reason. You mercy bet. and grace of God. Um and because they missed they missed what God was doing. And just like in our lives today, like I was saying earlier with my crazy wandering story, like I don't want to miss what God's doing and sometimes it feels like a coincidence quote unquote you, not the story about the ladder because you did want to miss the ladder I, I did okay just want to miss the ladder the other convergence story the convergence you story don't want, you want to settle into that yeah. and not be too speedy hurry practice patience enough to God are you doing something yeah what are you doing right here and jump into that walk with God and not see it as a disruption or interruption in life but maybe what God is doing and not over spiritualize things but um because, again, to the, the people's credit, Isaiah says, you know, for, for a child who's going to be born to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. You know, I, I don't have enough knowledge, and we don't have enough time here to dissect that as far as, like, the government. Like, is it a government thing? And then Jesus shows up, and he's like, way, you know, like the Romans, get him. And he's like, nope. But the but that same Isaiah says he was bruised for our iniquities. Um, chastisement was upon him. Uh, he wasn't recognizable. Correct. All of that in Isaiah 53. Yeah. And with with um, the purpose of the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, who who God in human flesh, Colossians one, verse nineteen, for God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Yeah, and and again, that's a reference I, I alluded to it earlier in one of the comments I made. It's not just the redemption of the human race. That's the pinnacle. That's the focus. That's the the most important thing that's taking place, at least as far as we're concerned. I mean, it's it's our redemption that he's right. securing on the cross. But he's also uh, t- redeeming or restoring back to himself, reconciling back to himself, a universe that has rebellion in it, right. led by Satan and Everything. The deceived angels. Uh, he's going to lift the curse. He's going to take care of the... And the demons and, and the devil and bring everything back into harmony. It's a fabulous long-term game plan that's playing out here. Yeah, I talked about it this Sunday, but that idea, like Paul says elsewhere, like if we, if it's just this, like your point, Craig, which is huge, just us being, if it's just that, we're, be, we're to be pitied more than anybody else because there is so much more. Like it's not just today. It's not just our right relationship with God. That's a big, big, giant, humongous part of it, specifically when we think maybe a little selfishly, but it's, God's whole redemptive plan of of eternity. Again, the garden that he created at the beginning was the plan all along until sin and our mistakes ruined it, and we've been living that same way in darkness and and deceit and death and sin, which is not what God wants. There's going to be a day where he writes all of that so that we live in the now, not yet, that we've talked about before on the podcast, that yes, we have hope in Jesus, but our hope 
is anchored in heaven where Jesus is preparing a place for us. So we're tethered to heaven through a relationship with Jesus. And one day heaven's going to come back to us and we get to be there forever. When you say pity, do you, do you always in your head have Mr. T? I pity the fool, I pity the fool who doesn't believe in who a hope misses of Jesus. restoration. <laughs> who misses salvation. No. Who misses the meaning of Christmas I, gets caught up in the commercialization. I, read I pity it, the fool. I read it three times this last week because I was preaching it and I'm like pitied, not pitted, pitted, pitied. How many P did? I had P. to Google Diddy? it. Yeah, P. Diddy, pitted. What? I just don't want to say the wrong things. We should be pitted oh. more than anybody else. Oh, <laughs> if we only all didn't say the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do this. I do it too frequently. So like, yeah. Again, I have to think through verses that I'm going to read. I have to. I don't know how many times I've already messed it up in the last 40 minutes here on this podcast. Well, I was trying to land the plane. Um, this reconciliation, this peace. That's why the uh, the um, angels announced to the people, right? The I bring you good news of great joy for all people. It's this this hark hark. Hark the herald. Hark the, the angel who's named Harold. Who's has had a message. Say. Oh, it's a sign unto you. Um, trying to real, real Christmas here at the end. But this this piece, just even the other night, because um, we've been doing the Advent stuff, just looking at peace, and it's more than just cease of war, but it's restoration and reconciliation, and there's just a fullness and a completeness and a wholeness, and the Hebrew word is shalom. So I was talking to my kids and the boys the other night, and we were talking and praying, and I prayed, and just the shalom of God, and we get done, and wife's like, Dad, what's shalom? I'm like, oh. And it just, not on purpose, it just kind of, you know, came out because it was real fresh that that day um, in, my, in my spirit. So then we had a, a, a cool little conversation, and the next day kind of followed up with the peace of God. And it's more than just lack of fighting. It's a wholeness, a completeness, a restoration, like you're saying, for all of creation, yeah. That we get to be part of. And it was in this moment where Jesus declares, yes, I am the one, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, who all of creation has been waiting for in order for this reconciliation, this peace with God and with each other, with creation. Animals not fighting anymore. There's no more death and decaying and dying. And it's the completion of all of that. As we look forward, what Christmas is and what we read here and is recorded in Matthew the first coming of Christ and what that meant we, gives us hope as we look forward to the second coming of Christ in all of his glory and triumph and with a sword and riding on a horse and just power and majesty and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who God is. Sword in his mouth, though, not not his hand. It's out of his mouth. Which seems even crazier. Cooler. I, so. I know you're trying to conclude the podcast here, but I think but that... Throw a, throw a landmine. You know, I, I want to read the quintessential passage on what you're talking about. Okay. I mean, we've been talking about the larger plan. Yeah, because I didn't quote it that well. It's 1 Corinthians 15, um, talking about Christ was raised, and then we, will, we who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And then it says, after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. Those are the ones, spiritual forces that are in rebellion. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's a whole conversation we've had uh, on other episodes of the podcast. For the scriptures say God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says that, that all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority 
so that God, who gave his son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Fabulous passage. That's one you got to you got to yeah, soak in. There's a lot there's a lot of authority going on what? in there. You got to soak in it. It's Jesus so. putting everything right and then saying, "Father, here it is. I took care of all the issues." Mm-hmm. That's the Craig's paraphrase right. version. And that's that's why we have hope because those are real things that are going to happen, have happened already. We just haven't fully experienced them. Mm. And I, and I know we we're talking a lot obviously at the end of Matthew here at the end um but the season that we're in 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 the Christmas season um, the birth of Jesus and how this Messiah came to us in such a different way than we would have ever, ever expected. Certainly the people of God, the Hebrew people, ever expected their, uh, their anointed kingly Messiah to come as a, as a humble baby boy to, to grow and learn and uh, have relationship with people and love people and care for people. And so as we you know slow down a little bit this holiday season and get some time with family and friends, I know we can, you know, oversimplify what happened and look at a nativity scene, but just the the significance of the hope, the light turning on in a dark, dark place that Jesus was to us, the the light and love of life itself. The way John, you know, shares the birth story is super cool because he doesn't really talk about the birth story. He just talks about light coming to the earth and the Messiah is here. And so super fun for us to just, you know, pause and think about that and let the significance, even if we've celebrated Christmas ninety two times, right? That you know, from one to ninety two that we focus on the significance of the Messiah being born to us. Tiny tots. Eyes all aglow. Well, have a great week following Jesus the, the Messiah. We'll see you on the next episode.